the thing is, this is the point. The mainstream media has accepted that those characters, those same characters, lied about Iraq but will not question in any way the same people's version of 9-11. They're journalists, it's their job. But do you still think the royal family were shape-shifting lizards? Yes, I do. You do? Yes. Hello, everyone. That was, of course, David Icke making an entirely sensible, to my mind anyway, point about the media and 9-11 only to be shut down by the then BBC's Andrew Neil, somewhat fairly, over his views on the royal family being shape-shifting reptilians. This falls squarely into what I've previously addressed, with conspiracy theories being used to both pull down and prop up the tower of conventional thought. We'll leave the royal family alone. They're having a hard enough time of it as it is. But in this episode, I'll examine the issue in more detail by answering the question, is George W. Bush a shape-shifting reptilian? Well, I'm going to look at ways that question could be answered anyway. One caveat before we begin, I am not sure that in David Icke's work, that which I've termed Ikeology, George or the wider Bush family qualify as actual shapeshifters. From memory, I think they are on a lower level of the Illuminati pecking order and are merely possessed by the spirits of reptilian beings. For our purposes, however, this won't matter. I'll just mention it in the interest of accuracy. Okay, so what are some possible answers to that question? Well, the first answer I could give is simply no. George W. Bush is not a shapeshifting reptilian. There are no shape-shifting reptilians. This is not something that could have gone unnoticed or remained covered up for thousands of years. There are such things as disinfo operations, mental health issues, pranksters, con men, and plain old mistakes. And some mixture of these better accounts for the phenomenon of people believing in shape-shifting reptilians. Case closed. Another answer that could be given is yes. David Icke is literally right. He has uncovered the biggest secret of all time. The evidence he presents is overwhelming. Moving beyond this binary, I'll suggest another answer I could give, which presents an entirely different way of looking at the question. I could answer by asking, as compared to what? Is George W. Bush a shape-shifting reptilian as compared to what? This third answer acknowledges that we do not actually know who, or what, Dubya is. There's a certain mystery to his identity. I recently read Russ Baker's biography of the Bush family, Family of Secrets, and the core fact that emerges about GW is that he is a con man, not different in substance from the fellows flogging get-rich-quick schemes on YouTube ads. He just occupies a different societal strata. Baker paints a picture of a man who bought a ranch, a baseball team, and underwent a Christian conversion of Billy Graham, all in order to create an image acceptable to voters. None of this seems to mean anything to him or represent who he is. Bush parroted low-tax, free-enterprise rhetoric whilst enriching himself and his cronies with the exact opposite policies. Let's take a listen. Our aim should not be more government. It should be smarter government. 
All this leads to the most important principle that should guide our work. While reforms in the financial sector are essential, the long-term solution to today's problems is sustained economic growth. And the surest path to that growth is free markets and free people. George Bush owes almost his entire fortune to a tax increase that was funneled into his pocket and into the use of eminent domain laws to essentially legally cheat other people out of their land for less than it was worth to enrich him and his fellow investors. By building this stadium in Arlington, Texas for, for, for the, the Texas, Rangers. Texas Rangers. Right. That's right. It's hard to remember given all that's happened, but Bush ran for president on his strong education ticket. He wanted to be the education president, touting what he called the Texas educational miracle that had taken place under his governorship. This turned out to be an act of fraud based on cooking books by lowering test standards and misreporting dropout rates. Bush then ran this scam on a national level. And so the principle behind the No Child Left Behind Act is to set high standards, believe every child can learn, and measure to see if we're getting results. And Congress need not weaken such a good piece of legislation. It's been 10 years since the No Child Left Behind Act was passed by Congress and signed by President Bush. Today, its performance is beyond dispute. The act came with a massive infusion of new federal spending and federal control, but student achievement has been flat, and states have less flexibility today than before the act was passed. A big investment without much measurable return. It was hard to miss that in No Child Left Behind, essentially what it was telling states was really set low bars or set right easy tests or set low standards that you call proficiency because you stay out of trouble under the law, you get even more money, and everybody comes out looking good except for the kids who actually are no better educated than they were before the law. But of course, all this pales in significance when compared to Bush's war on terror. I want Americans and all the world to know that coalition forces will make every effort to spare innocent civilians from harm. A campaign on the harsh terrain of a nation as large as California could be longer and more difficult than some predict. And helping Iraqis achieve a united, stable, and free country will require our sustained commitment. We come to Iraq with respect for its citizens, for their great civilization, and for the religious faiths they practice. We have no ambition in Iraq except to remove a threat and restore control of that country to its own people. First thing to remember is that you've got to multiply Iraq's statistics by about 10 to gain an equivalency in U.S. numbers, right? So since the coalition invaded in 2003, we've had uh, about, the estimates are about 1.5 million deaths as a result of that, uh, of that invasion. That's about 15 million equivalent, uh, or two-thirds the population of Texas. So that, those kinds of numbers stagger the imagination. The tolls on families has been unbelievable. Uh, almost 3 million Iraqis displaced. Again, that's like the entire population of 
uh, of Texas ending up in Mexico uh, because they had to flee conditions that were so horrific. Uh, between 800 and a million Iraqi uh, children have lost one or both of their parents as a result of the coalition invasion. Again, between 8 and 10 million American children losing one or both parents. The, the infrastructure destruction is, is staggering. The hospitals, sewage plants, uh, the amount of environmental destruction, 40% of Afghanistan's uh, forests have been completely vaporized. And of course, during the invasion, as was with the first Gulf War, there were massive fires set to oil wells and so on. Uh, the, the white death, as the Iraqi physicians call it, the result of nearly a thousand radioactive weapons being used against tanks and other uh, infrastructure in Iraq, has resulted in a six-fold increase in leukemia because, of course, it has a half-life of about the life of the planet or four billion years. This stuff atomizes into the air, goes into the lungs. Uh, typhus is up tenfold because uh, the drinking water and cleaning uh, water cleaning facilities have been destroyed. Uh, the, the, the country is a smoking wreckage. Now, okay, you might agree with me and say Bush may be a con man. He may be a criminal, even a mass murderer. But he's not a shape-shifting reptilian. That's just silly. And I repeat, as compared to what? There's optimism here in Ohio. There's optimism all over the country because President Bush is leading the way. He's fighting for all of us. So I ask you, who is fighting for your jobs? George W. Bush. Who is fighting for your schools? George W. Bush. Fighting for your families? George W. Bush. That's right, George W. Bush is fighting for all of us. Yes. And most important, and most important, President Bush is defending our freedom and our security. He is defending this country. President Bush knows you can't reason with people, people that are blinded by hate. But let me tell you something, their hate is no match for our decency. Their hate is no match for America's decency. And it is no match for the leadership and the resolve of George W. Bush. <laughs> Moving America forward with tax cuts that are helping working families, moving America forward with no child left behind for the future of our kids, and moving America forward with a plan to create more jobs and to make the economy boom. We are so fortunate in America. In our system, the greatest power does not come from money. It doesn't come from privilege, and it does not come from the special interests. The greatest power comes from the people. The greatest power comes from you, from the people. Now this is insane. I mean, I like Arnold. Everyone does. But this is insane. I've listened to this clip several times over in editing it. And it's not until about the fourth time round it really sunk in just how cultish this is. Thousands of people chanting the name George W. Bush. George W. Bush. It's the kind of thing you expect to see in North Korea. Except these people are participating of their own volition. They won't be sent to forced labour camps for staying home. They're true believers. I can't decide what the funniest part is. Is it when Arnold declares in America power doesn't come from money, privilege or special interests, whilst promoting a rich, privileged man who represents special interests, mostly his own? 
Or maybe it's when he says George, a man who lives in Texas and pretends to be a cowboy, is fighting for your family. I mean, what could that possibly even mean? Or perhaps it's the darkly prophetic part about making the economy boom. He did that all right, right into the 2008 bust. Returning to my question then, is George W. Bush a shape-shifting reptilian, as compared to what? Compared to the vision of the people we've just heard chanting and the millions like them, a vision of Bush as a man who cares about the average American, who's a Christian, a small government free market guy, compared to that vision, I would say it's highly accurate to describe him as a shape-shifting reptilian. Yes, absolutely. David Icke may be crazy, but he's not as crazy as those people. As a metaphor, the reptilian position has explanatory power. It explains the callous indifference to the victims of war. The shape-shifting explains the ability to act, to put on a mask over the real identity. This is why snakes and masks are often employed as metaphors to describe psychopathy. Why, then, do we judge David Icke more harshly for his apparent error, assuming that's what it is, than the people at the rally for theirs? If Icke is wrong, he's wrong on the level of the material world. Bush and other world leaders are not physically reptilian. Those who display cultish admiration for them are demonstrably wrong. In fairness, the premise is easier to falsify. But they're wrong on the level of the mental world. They're wrong about who Bush is as a person, not what he is physically made of. Maybe because the material world is more real or foundational to us, we judge this to be a greater form of insanity. For practical purposes, I'm not convinced it is. I don't mean to single out Bush. I could have made this podcast about the president's pre- and pro-seeding him. The fact that I could say something about the nature of the US government. It is a structural pathocracy. The state itself is a shape-shifting reptilian. And there, I'm definitely being metaphorical. Probably. Thanks for listening. That structural pathocracy is what I'll move on to looking at next time. are innovative and resourceful and so are we they never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people and neither do we